Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Listeners, we are recording remotely. Yes, we are. Right now. Matt is on the moon. I am. And you're <laughs> at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I told you not to take that submarine cruise. Man, I had 250K and <laughs> just, I needed a way to spend it. Just a hole in your pocket. Yeah. So what am I going to do with this 250K? Yeah. Invest what? Invest in an adventure. <laughs> we just brought it down. We no did. pun intended. Quickly. Oh, man. What is it we do here on Finest Work Songs? We just love to talk about classic albums. It could be something that's universally acclaimed as a classic album, you know, something like Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Or it could be something that Matt or I really love and think should be recognized as a classic album. At the end of the day, all we like to do here on Finest Work Songs is talk about classic music, classic albums, and I think we're going to do that today. This is, in some ways, part two of our contest. This summer, we heard from four Irish lads. Bono, The Edge. Yep, that's right. Larry yep. Mullen Jr. and Adam uh-huh. Clayton. Big fans of the show. I think that's who it was. They gave us a list of albums they wanted us to review. We had you, the Finest Work fans, vote on it, and it ended up in a tie. Dead heat. So we started with Van Morrison. The other finalist was Weezer, the Blue Album. Excited also again to honor those four Irish lads who took the time to offer us those suggestions and were honestly that interested in helping us out on Finest Work Songs. Matt, while some may know them as the nicknames that you just Sure, the pseudonyms that they go by from time to time. Yep. Yeah, it's actually Noah, Ruben, Daniel, and Caleb. This is from their list. We're going to review the Blue Album. Boy, am I glad to have heard that because for like the last, I don't know, four days since we last recorded the Van Morrison epipod, all I've had is that freaking song Moon Dance" in my head. Yeah, I, you know, same. Don't get me wrong. There were, what, seven other songs from that album I would have loved to have stuck in my head. Oh, it's been Moon Dance" almost the entire time. Same. Every night I'm lying in bed and that's what's in my head. And I'm actually trying to sing other songs in my head from the album. I'm not even trying to stray from the album. I'm just trying to get Moondance out. And your head's kind of bopping and you're snapping your fingers because you got a little jazzy tune going on up there. Yeah. It's the worst. It's the curse of Van Morrison. It is. One thing that solved it for me a couple days ago was I did go back on to YouTube and watch the last waltz version of Caravan. Yeah. Three or four times in a row because it's that good. I know this is a Weezer epipod, but again, just going back to Van Morrison with the band, and we didn't even get into it. Apparently, he didn't even want to go on stage. He didn't want to even perform that night. Oh, really? They essentially had to push him on stage. From the first note, he's just full-throated, and it's great. And then he has one of the best exits ever. He finishes with his like high kicks and thrusting the mic into the air, and then he just walks off stage. It's an Irish goodbye. It's a, it he he leaves Irish the goodbye. party without saying goodbye. It is an Irish goodbye. It's phenomenal. You don't strike me as an Irish goodbye type of guy. You are too kind. I'm Minnesota nice. Yeah. <laughs> I am full on Irish goodbye. Oh, yeah. I've seen you do some Irish goodbyes, even from my house. Well, Van Morrison did the ultimate Irish goodbye. And it's so cool. It is. Like, it's just the coolest thing ever. Okay, Matt, before we jump into the music, what do you have for us? We're so fortunate to have such great listeners. Even having this opportunity to do a, a couple albums based on feedback from Finest Work fans, like the Shine family is phenomenal. But you all are so good to send us emails and to, to reach out to us and engage with us. We love to answer those emails in a segment we call Kenny Gmail. 
This Kenny G mail is in reference to our Beatles Rubber Soul epipod. Okay, so throwing it back. Going, going way back here. Yeah. There's no name, but the email is orders at ava.ph. The question here is, is anyone here in a position to recommend <laughs> remote control toys? <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to give you the URL this time. Might get you in trouble with work. Did you have a remote control car growing up, Matt? I had an uncle who, for whatever reason, always wanted to give me toys at Christmas. He was, like, really kind and generous. Like, I don't know what the deal was, for whatever reason. What was his deal? <laughs> um, he made me more of, like, a second cousin, but he was older, so he kind of felt like an uncle. We'd only see him at Christmas, and he always would get me these gifts. They tended to be from Radio Shack. Okay. Great for calculators and computers, not necessarily for toys. No. I remember one year he gave me a remote control car, but it had, like, a cord to it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so, so you it's have like, to run behind it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh but it was like gosh. so nice of him to like, hey, here's a remote control car. What about you? It was probably fifth grade or so. I remember getting one. I didn't have a cord, Matt. But it, oh man, you rich yeah. kids with your cordless remote control. But what cars. I remember is that a friend down the street, his name was Matt too. No way. He had one that was like one of those that you built. I think it was called a caterpillar, which seems wrong. But it was one of those, like, incredibly fast ones. If YouTube existed back then, it was the ones that you would see, like, racing through the desert. Oh, yeah. I never drove it. He never let me drive it. But also, he never, ever brought it out. I saw him run that thing, like, once or twice. Why? <laughs> Why do you have that? He still has it, like, in a like an acrylic case sitting on, like, a bookshelf somewhere. What are kids now? Do they get drones? Remote control is probably not a big deal to them now. My son got a remote control car, I think a couple of years ago, and it was pretty cool. I mean, it went way faster than the ones I remember seeing. I still feel like the technology hasn't progressed that much because it took like you know one or two, you know, run into like a fence that it was like toast. Oh, yeah. Sadly, we're not really in a position to recommend remote control toys, which is unfortunate, especially if you want one with a cord on it. <laughs> I know where to get one. As always, we do appreciate the emails from you guys, the Finest Work fans. And so if you want to send us an email for a future Kenny G email, send us your email at finestworksongs at gmail.com. All right, well, let's jump into the music, Matt. Weezer's The Blue Album starts with My Name is Jonas. This guy, his name is Rivers. His brother's name is Leaves. Apparently, his mother claims that she named him Rivers because after he was born, she heard the sound of a river outside her hospital window. That's sweet. Yeah. Matt, did you have any folks who were born in Dunn, North Carolina? What would they be named if their mom named them from what she heard outside the window after they were born? Come on in, gunshot. It's time for dinner. <laughs> Get back in Outside here. Outside the hospital? Or just like <laughs> no, in yeah, general, just it's just guns hospital, shooting. Yeah. Get back in here, donkey. <laughs> I like the idea of, first of all, the window being open and like yeah. a donkey like sticking its head in. 
It's like, look at that beautiful donkey. I'm going to name my son after him. They lived at the Buddhist Zen Center with his parents. His parents divorced when he was five. After his dad left, his mom moved rivers and leaves to another place. Yogaville. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like the most un-Buddhist name you could come up with. we got to come up with a name for our meditation center. Why don't we call it Meditation Station? No, no, that won't work. No, that's, that's not cool enough. Yogaville. Yeah, that's it. Yogaville. It does. It sounds... Well, it's funny because when I moved down to North Carolina, there's a fast food restaurant called Biscuitville. First of all, I died laughing because I thought <laughs> that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. I will say, here's my hot take. I think I know where you're going with yeah. this. And I, yeah, yeah. Biscuitville. Gloves are coming off. Biscuitville is superior to Bojangles, if we're talking biscuits, sure. hands down. Okay. So I'm not saying the whole experience. Yeah. So if you're coming to Raleigh, there hit up go. Biscuitville. And if you're wanting to meditate, go to Yogaville. <laughs> so he's raised in sort of these Buddhist environments. I don't think he was exposed to music growing up or anything until a friend of his stepdad brought over a Kiss record. Of course. He got into Kiss and then got a guitar. And so interestingly, it's like being exposed to society, both through public school. So he's getting beat up because he's kind of small and they would have called him a nerd. But he's also at home going to town on his electric guitar and learning kiss solos and, mm-hmm. and getting into metal. Which, you know, what Buddhist hasn't gotten into metal? I mean, <laughs> come right. on. Yeah, I wonder if they claim him, if, if they have a picture of him up and they're really happy, like <laughs> alumni, or if they kind of shun him like oh, he didn't go down the path. But yeah, he was so into it. After high school, moved out to California, his band Avant Garde, and was going to that guitar school out there. Shred You. <laughs> yeah. He went to Shred You, the Musicians Institute, which you may recognize some people who have graduated. Jeff Buckley, mm. Steve Vai. Oh, yeah. Chad Smith went there. Okay. I heard Steve Vai finished first in his class. So you know what they called him? <laughs> what? <The> Shrededictorian. <laughs> No doubt. Okay, so he gets kicked out of Musicians Institute. He wasn't taking it serious enough. He has a few different bands, including one called 60 Wrong Sausages. He gets a job at Tower Records. That's where he gets exposed to music beyond metal. Velvet Underground, Pixies, Sonic Youth, that sort of thing. Fast forward a little bit. He shifts his focus a lot from Matt Sharp, the bassist, who was his roommate. Meets Patrick Wilson, who's a drummer because they're in LA and I guess they know people and they're good enough, they get signed by Geffen. They didn't have like EPs come out or... Demos and stuff like that. Some people said, are they like the monkeys where they're... Pre-packaged yeah, and pre-packaged. manufactured. Yeah. Yep. As a monkeys fan, Matt, how does that how does that sit with you? <sighs> not well. Not well, man. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it really gets under my skin. No. In all honesty, the, I mean, the monkeys were pre-packaged, put together to be a TV show. Then they eventually became a band, but... You can see where if you're a band or a musician who's been like paying your dues and all of a sudden this band kind of comes out of nowhere and they weren't exactly drawing huge crowds early on. Right. You can see where someone would think that's pretty suspect. Yeah, for sure. He does seem to be one of those people, self-professed, that wants to be a rock star. If that's your singular focus and one of the first and biggest influence you have is Kiss, yeah. then of course it's going to be about an attitude of being a star versus necessarily being a musician he overcomes that it's all over this album but it's one thing to start from a a spot where you're like i want to be a great musician and you just happen to become a star yeah it's another to say hey i really want to be a rock star 
and then eventually I'll get to the musician part of it. DGC at that time was like one of the biggest, coolest labels you could be on. It wasn't just like they got signed to a label, they got signed to DGC, which was like, whoa, okay, they must be on to something here. For sure. Matt, let's talk about our introduction to Weezer, Undone, the sweater song. Again, with his nod to heavy metal, part of the opening guitar part of that was he was trying to kind of write something that was similar to Welcome Home Sanitarium by Metallica. (laughs) I remember trying to learn that guitar part. The dude's got metal chops, man. Absolutely. This song, when I hear it, feels like a slacker grunge song. Mm -hmm. And that's how they first came out. And it's hard to remember, but if you just see this video in your head, them kind of slacking about and a pack of wild dogs coming in and they're just kind of throwing things around. We hadn't seen Buddy Holly yet. So it's not like we thought, oh, you know, they're ironic or clever. They're nerds or anything. Nope. They're just, you know, another grunge band. Even the spoken word parts are kind of, oh, we're going to a party. It kind of spoke to me because I was, what, a freshman in college when this album comes out. Those are the kind of conversations I was probably having with people. The kind of slacker, grungy song of its time. Mm -hmm. This is the only song like this on the album. You could argue only in dreams a little bit. It's not a bad song. It just feels very much tied to the grunge era. This is probably the one song that I hear on satellite radio, especially if I'm listening to the lithium channel which is like 90s alternative this seems to be one that gets on there a lot and it's probably for that all the reasons you just listed it's kind of maybe up more of that time all right this is our introduction to the band we see them on mtv this is what we think they're going to be it's just another sort of version of one of those grunge bands alternative bands that they don't care this is ethan hawk in reality yes <laughs> but we're actually going to find out that you know what there's a little bit of Ben Stiller in Reality Bites and Winona Ryder mm. from Reality Bites. Nice. Yeah, there's a lot more than the Ethan Hawke slacker here. <laughs> All right, next song we're going to cover, track six, Surf Wax America. All the things I said earlier about him wanting to be a rock star first and a musician sort of came later kind of goes out the door with this one for me because there's so much musically that I just think is incredible on this song. Particularly, it's the drums. Yeah. Even the kick drum is not quite so straightforward as you would think of for a young band doing essentially an album full of songs where they were, one of their rules was only do downstrokes on the guitar. Yeah. Not only was that sort of a genius concept for them to do it, the drumming on this one just is what always gets me. This is an air drum album. Yeah. This is not an air guitar album, as I started off playing drums. When I was bored of doing the 
rudimentary stuff of trying to get better. And I just wanted to play along to albums. This is one that I would put on. Yeah, Patrick Wilson is a drummer that you don't hear enough about. Very teenage lyrics. Mm -hmm. We didn't do No One Else or The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. Those are relationship songs. But even this one is, I'm not going to get a job. I'm going to go surfing. I'm not going to you know, become part of the rat race with these driving extremely loud guitars and energetic drums and melodies and harmonies. That could be something that you could swing and miss horribly at if you are either too earnest with it or too ironic about it. He kind of hits it right in the sweet spot. You know, The heavy metal stuff was really important to him, and it really matters a lot to how they want the guitars to be loud, and they want to have that driving rock, but that you can still have teenage lyrics that speak to a, a sort of different audience than probably a metal audience. They're teenage lyrics, but even though we're middle-aged dudes, mm-hmm. there's a simplicity of emotions that still reach us as adults. It's funny that we're talking about Weezer. We're talking about emotions. For us being the age we are, having worked for as long as we've worked, there's also something whimsical about a song about essentially leaving the rat race and going surfing and trying to get away from the hustle and bustle. Yeah. I mean, that, that hits me way harder now than it, it did when I was 22 years old. That's a very appealing thing to, to be able to have the opportunity to do something like that. So my connection to some of these songs has changed, but the love and the sort of emotional connection to them is still there. Let's talk about the bridge. For me, it's the surfer has gone underwater, has wiped out. Mm. Almost slow motion, being rolled under and Mm -hmm. under the waves. It's not just a celebration song. There's this moment where the surfer's like underwater and having to deal with, oh, this is actually really serious. Now I can never go yeah. home. But then makes his way out. Ha, you suckers, we're not in the rat race. We're going to surf. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting that with as much energy and simplicity, that there's a ton of thoughtfulness underneath the songwriting. Mm -hmm. We'll see that a lot in this next song, which is Say It Ain't So. Somebody's honey strolling my 
the record executives who chose this song, I think they made a good choice in choosing the, the singles that they did. But the surprise for us is that when we got into the album, it wasn't just a bunch of like angsty grunge stuff. It no. was The World Has Turned and Left Me Here and Holiday and Surf Wax America, you know. Yep. It was like a totally different thing. There's something about Weezer, though, that didn't have that sort of chip on the shoulder thing mm-hmm. musically. You were only allowed to reference Sonic Youth or right. Pixies or, or something like that. But like mm-hmm. they're talking about Kiss yeah. and Rat yeah. and 80s hair metal. They were really confident in who they were. I think that stems from Rivers and his metal background. Yeah. Nobody starts from a metal background and adds songwriting and pop and Beatles right. later. Usually it's like somebody learns music and then they want to shred and so they work really hard. Yeah. You're more of a metal guy than I am. But there are moments in this album that I hear him playing and it sounds metal. Yeah. The one even back in the day I remember that made me feel that way was this one from Holiday. It's the double guitars. Yeah. The scales that he plays are not the sort of blues, pentatonic scales that you'll hear in most rock and roll, but it feels like more metal where where they play more notes. It's more harmonic minor scale type things. That to me is one of the most unique things about Weezer is that metal background that is not contrived. It is who he was before he discovered other things. Grunge was such a response to metal, such a response to hair metal. And he's coming at and going, no, I love all that stuff. I love Kiss with the makeup and and the lights. And Weezer does their logo like the Van Halen logo. I mean, they they just embrace that. I think Rivers knows he doesn't have the look for metal. He's not a metal looking guy, but for him, it's not about the look. It's the music, the energy and the attitude that comes with it also happens to be a really good songwriter who can weave all that together in a really good way. It's interesting then that they had the producer that they did. Yeah. The record company says you have to have a producer. Depending on where you go, what interview you read, there's kind of different lore and different stories. According to Rivers, he's walking through the grocery and the car is just what I need. It comes on. Considering the Blue album, it makes sense that Rivers would hear that and say, that's our guy. It's pop, but it also really, really rocks. Yeah. So they bring in... Here's where I have to pause, Matt. Do you pronounce it Ocasek or... I've always pronounced it Rick Ocasek. I always pronounce it Rick Ocasek because I feel like that's how I always heard it. That's how I heard it my whole life. And then when I was listening to all these interviews, Rivers himself says Ocasek. Interesting. Rick Rubin says Ocasek. And so... You would think they would know... According to Rivers, he came in and where Rivers always played on the neck pickup. Mm-hmm. So listeners, that gives your guitar like a thicker sound. Rick said, you got to play on the bridge pickup, which mm. if you're playing by yourself, then it's a very thin sound. And according to Rivers, that's the Weezer sound. Without mm-hmm. Rick Ocasek, we wouldn't have the Weezer sound that we do. Right. So it's neat to think that like he didn't just come in as a name. like He really did help shape them. And kept them from doing any sort of flourishing that they would have done as metal guitars. They kept it right. very straight. Not a lot of bending or bluesy type things. Mm-hmm. It was just super straightforward. It's not like Rick Ocasek was still like a huge, huge name in music. I mean, he he was in the sense that the cars were and will be 
you know, this legendary band, but they weren't really like hot at the time. So I always thought it was very brave, not only that he did it with Weezer, but that they worked with him as well. And it obviously paid off. That's a great point. He was a legend and untainted. They didn't have a weird downfall that I can remember in the 80s, the Cars. No. I've mentioned it before. I think that's the strongest three opening tracks on any mm. debut. I'm waiting it for somebody be. to prove me wrong. I'm open to it. Listeners, we talked, usually we start with our memory on an Epipod, but this one we talked about having our memories kind of weave in. So my memory of this is it's kind of related to the song. It's when I went to college my freshman year up in Maryland at Towson University. Anyway, I remember this kid talking about Weezer, but the way he talked about Weezer, Weezer had only been out for like four months. But he talked about it like, you don't know Weezer. You fast forward to the following summer, my friends and I have a band and putting together a concert are covering three Weezer songs. So it, <laughs> right. it hit immediately. But I always remember that feeling I had from that kid who was talking about Weezer like it was such an in thing. Yeah. You know, and that's just kind of a hipster reaction, right? But right. over time, Weezer becomes so beloved that there's such strong reactions to them. You know, we all loved the first album. And then there was incredible reactions to Pinkerton, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was one or the other. And then over time, there's all these conversations. And so, Matt, a few years ago, this SNL skit came on. It's a dinner party, and Matt Damon starts talking about Weezer. <laughs> Leslie Jones is another neighbor who is a Weezer fan, and she starts challenging him here. So you're a Weezer fan? Baby, please, it's Christmas. Oh, no, oh, no, I'm just asking him a question. Sounds like you're into the new stuff. Damn straight. I mean, I think they're doing some cool things right now. <laughs> Baby, be cool. <laughs> I'm just getting to know the neighbors. I'm just a little confused because real Weezer fans know that they haven't had a good album since Pinkerton in 96. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. Looks like we have a purist in the house. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to have fun with this. <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> What's happening is that Weezer put out two perfect albums, Blue and Pinkerton, and the rest was... Pretty corny? Wow, well, that's your opinion. But me, I'm ride or die. <laughs> For Weezer? <laughs> <laughs> In that one skit, you really capture like the three sort of attitudes about Weezer, I think. There's the Blue Album, Pinkerton, everything else after was crap. There's the, you know what, they put out some good stuff. I mean, they, they kept going and they've had flashes of brilliance here or there. Then there's the third opinion that's like, we're still talking about Weezer? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? So, that's so funny. Where do you fall on that, Matt? Where do you fall in that camp? Probably somewhere in between. Cause I You're feel, so diplomatic. Cause hear, hear me out. <laughs> okay. Blue Album is a perfect album. I didn't get into Pinkerton right away. I was one of those who was kind of like, this is quite different. I then loved really the next two and a half albums after that, like the Green Album, Maladroit, even Make Believe. Like The line about being corny is kind of spot on. But I also thought there were some things that threw back to the Blue Album from a songwriting and a hooks kind of standpoint. I don't necessarily go back and listen to those as much today as I do the Blue Album. Then I sort of back-ended Pinkerton. Okay. Which I love now today. There's not that body of perfection like the first two albums. I'll admit that. Okay. You know. I'm not Leslie Jones in that yeah. I despise everything. Yeah. I just haven't listened to it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard what's come on the radio and everything, but Doug and Jeff and Matt Wood and I loved Pinkerton. Ruiz Cuomo, he's like, I knew one person that liked it. Nobody liked it. Right. No, a lot of people bought that album, and we really, really loved it. This is somewhat embarrassing, I think, but one of the reasons I went back and finally got into Pinkerton was it was referenced on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was like these kind of cooler kids yeah. that Rory went to school with. And it was giving me back my Pinkerton CD kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, whoa, okay. Wait, what? Like, wait a second. Like, 
the CW show knows what's going on. (laughs) So there's definitely like the cool in the know factor with Pinkerton. There is. But my whole point is there shouldn't be. There doesn't need to be. It's Weezer. Mm -hmm. It's more Weezer. Mm -hmm. It's the type of Weezer that's in the garage, only in dreams. It's amazing. It's like chaotic. And then there's River's little voice floating among the middle of it like Mm -hmm. the child and the mandalorian like floating among (laughs) bombs exploding around him there's little rivers my one beef with weezer today is they are notorious for short concerts really yeah we we saw them gosh they came to durham eight nine years ago yeah even if you admit that their discography is it's kind of front-loaded you think okay they've got so many songs like this is gonna be great you know and before i went a friend of mine who had seen them before said hey i'm just warning you they're gonna do 100 minutes that's all they do that's it and i was like nah, I'm, yeah, no way no nah, you idiot and sure enough our main concert came out for the encore maybe another 20 30 minutes Wow. That's it. Okay. And it was good. It was tight. I mean, it was... Yeah. You guys have... You got more. more like, Leave it all on the field. Yeah, Leave that's it. right. Okay, now is the time in our podcast where we challenge one another. If you had to remove a song, what would you do? So, Matt, Weezer's going to come out, and they're going to say, we're only playing half a show You're tonight. paying the full price. Yeah. If you don't remove a song <laughs> off the blue album, so... If you had to, which song would you remove? This actually was easy, not because I don't think the song is good. Just think of all the, the songs on this album. This is the Matt, one. why do you hate Only in Dreams? This is not Only in Dreams. I uh, love Only in okay, Dreams. Okay, good. Um, but the song I would cut is Holiday. like it i just don't think it's as strong as every other song on the album i'm not trying to be antagonistic or music snub oh boy the top three hits were my top three candidates for removal i don't know if it's because they're overplayed yeah or because i was so enamored with what i discovered on the album Mm -hmm. that i fell in love with like i love holiday i love only in dreams and it's not that i don't like those songs i don't think there's a a miss on the album i'm gonna choose undone okay because i really want the video for buddy holly to exist yeah i mean that was out of this world for us it's hard for you know you can't explain it now no because of technology but at the time to have weezer show up in happy days days and interact with characters i mean it was like what world are we living in (laughs) right the robots are taking over yeah that's really what it felt like okay now it's time for your senior quote In your senior yearbook, underneath your picture, you get a chance to pick a quote, and this could represent the road that lies ahead, the journey you've been on, or trying to look cool with some indie rock quote from an album that just came out. What would you pick for your senior quote? There's actually a lot to pick from, I think, from this album, because nerdy white dudes, loners leaning into their music. Along those lines, the quote I would choose comes from In the Garage, and it's the lines, I've got an electric guitar, I play my stupid songs. I write these stupid words, and I love everyone waiting there for me. Yes, I do. Matt, from In the Garage, uh-huh. I picked, I've got an electric guitar, <laughs> I play my stupid songs. <laughs> Too easy. Same one. That's what we did. We didn't talk about it, Matt, but this is a timeless album. It really is. I don't feel like it sounds dated, no. and listening to it brought every bit of joy that it did back then. I've, over the years, keep a notebook, and I jot down, like, I'll listen to an album and go, okay, this is an album I want my kids to listen to. You have a notebook? 
I have many notebooks. I want you to bring these notebooks on. We need to have a notebook a notebook party session. <laughs> yeah, I just want to hear you read from your notebook on the podcast. They're not journals. I mean, they're more like random. You thoughts. write down like Weezer underlined three times. <laughs> Rocks. <laughs> I draw like the the W like the Van Halen. Yeah. So. Um, but this is one of those albums. I'm like, I want my kids to listen to. Gather around, kids. Listen to Uncle Rivers. As always, you can engage with us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Threads, or even Instagram. Check us out on our website, findusworksongs.com. And as always, send us an email, findusworksongs at gmail.com. And who knows, maybe we'll read your email in a future Kenny Gmail segment. Thanks again to Noah, Ruben, Daniel, and Caleb for providing the list of albums. Thanks to all of you who voted. And while we did enjoy doing the Blue Album, it would have been a lot of fun to do Pinkerton. So we're going to go out with a track from Pinkerton. theme song is by the incredible band medium heat this track is called radio and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com and check out any upcoming shows if you are in the raleigh area they are on facebook at medium heat music